welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. going to go ahead and get started this morning in one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Psalm 23. The Scripture, many of you may know this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's another translation. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. And then finally, this is the message says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find quiet pools. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Praise God. Again, a beautiful passage, beautiful psalm of just showing us the Lord's tender shepherd care in our lives. And you know, we we can see throughout the scriptures, there's multiple references to the Lord being the shepherd. Jesus said the good shepherd, and we're the sheep, and he has this tender care for us. And we see a lot of different things that he does for us, but Amongst the things that he does, one of the things he does is he leads us beside the still waters. It's a beautiful thing. You know, a lot of times we're coming up and down here in 42, and we'll go past Ephraim, and that little road across there is right next to the water, and on a beautiful, calm day, it's just like glass, and you see the reflection of of just the nature all around, and there's just something about it when you just see that peaceful, restful water that actually can have a calming effect on your soul, just seeing something like that in the natural. But I love the picture that we get here of the Lord because it says He leads us beside still and restful waters. There's an enemy, of course, who goes out about as a roaring lion that's not restful. That's full of anxiety. But our God is not that. Our God leads us beside the still, quiet waters. That's how he leads us. That's where he leads us to. You know, a lot of times as we're, we're going through life, Christians, we, we come to know the Lord, we experience his grace and his forgiveness, like Jody was talking about, it's easy. He loves to forgive. He, he loves to wash and cleanse. He's, it, that's his heart is mercy. He loves it. And we first experience that, and it's like, wow, God loves me. He really does love me. All my sins, they really were on that cross. I really am forgiven, and you, we can experience peace with God, and it starts us on this journey of life. And as we go down this journey of life with the Lord, our life bumps into stuff. It bumps into different kinds of issues, whether it's, you know, it can be people issues, financial issues, health issues world issues, political issues, a lot of things that'll just make our faith go, what, what, how, how does things reconcile, you know? And pretty soon if, you know, as we're walking down and we can all of a sudden get so kind of distracted with things that all of a sudden our Christianity becomes about this issue. And I got to get this issue resolved. And, and my relationship with God is really a means to an end of resolving this issue. Something happens and can happen in our life. But God does a work by his spirit where he leads us by the still waters. He restores our soul in a way that the issue isn't center anymore. He is center. His love, his grace, his mercy. That's what leading us beside the still waters does. It doesn't just make us calm. It restores our soul, it recenters our focus, it makes us realize again, he's there. He loves us, he's for us. This morning, I really, that's the heart that I want to get across, but the title of the message this morning is simply Still Waters. 
you're going to see this morning, I believe in my heart, the work that he does through still waters. How he restores our soul as we look out across still waters. The scripture has some powerful things to say about the stillness of God and being still. And that call to stillness, that God does amazing things. He does amazing works. We were talking last week about the shield of faith, where we're raising that shield of faith. There is a good fight of faith. We do wrestle against powers and principality. There is action in this Christian life. There is action in this Christian walk. But there is also a place of peace. There is a place of restoration. There is a place of refreshment that we get in this. You know, we can see that even in, in sports. You know, last, yesterday, you had two football teams that were playing, and ironically, uh, the two teams that were losing at halftime, both of them ended up winning the game. Both of them. Well, praise God for halftime. Praise God where you can come off, you know, the game, the field, and begin to refresh, re-strategize, Rethink, retool, find rest for your souls. That's really the functional purpose of halftime. It provides rest to the body. It provides rest to the soul that you can begin to go back out there again. In racing, you got pit stops where you stop. You intentionally get that car refreshed, the oil, the tires, all that kind of stuff so that you can go back out there again. And we find that in God, he calls us to these places of still waters, these restful, refreshing times that restore our soul so that he can lead us back out into those paths of righteousness for his namesake. But before the paths comes the lying down, the resting, the restoring, and then the moving out. But there's power in these still waters. These are the still waters where you realize it's him and not you. These are not the still waters of resolved issues. No, these are his still waters that he will lead you in the middle of unresolved issues. These are still waters. They're places in his spirit that he takes you. So we're going to go to those places this morning. The still waters. The first area, just, just a couple things this morning that I want to bring out regarding still waters. The first aspect is this. Be still and know. He's going to call us to calm down, to be still and just just know some things. The scripture says this in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Wow, that's pretty dramatic. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There is a, a powerful reminder, exhortation that we have here in Psalm, Psalms to just be still and know that I am God. I'm the God who makes wars cease. I break the bow. I burn the chariot in the fire. And this is one of the things that we have to remember as he's leading us beside the still waters because a lot of times we're in that battle, we're in that fight, and the warfare is the battle of the mind. But he's the God who can make the war cease. He's the one who can break that bow. He's the one who can calm and restore our soul. Make the war cease. Be still and know he is the God who can make the war cease. It's just good to know that about him. War is complicated. War is messy. War is ugly. It's hard to fix, clean, answer, make it all right and good. God is the one who can make that war cease. We were talking about that last week even too, just about how we can't have, we can't lean to the shield of our own understanding. We got to lift up the shield of faith. That's the powerful quenching ability of God when it comes to those demonic arguments of the enemy. But we also have to be still and know that he can make that war cease. I'm trying to resolve an issue. He's going to make the war cease in a way that's going to put my focus back on him. We see an example of this too, even in the life 
of the disciples while Jesus was ministering on the earth. A great windstorm, they're out in a boat with Jesus and the disciples, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? This is really a powerful story. I mean, wow. You know, it's amazing to, to think what he did there right in the middle of that storm. Peace, be still. How, how does he do that? He is the God who makes wars cease. He can, he can calm the sea. He can, he can command that storm to be still. There is an authority. There is something that he has. Praise God. And that's what they said, wow, who is this? He has authority over the wind and the waves. And yeah, he can say, peace, be still. He can calm it. He can make it calm. I mean, think about that. You've got water already coming in the boat, and then all of a sudden, scene two, just glass, calm water. What's the difference? Jesus is the difference. They didn't calm it. Jesus calmed it. You see one of the things that they asked him, they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? A lot of times it, it is tempting to feel that way about God. There's a storm going on. God, don't you care? Don't you see what's happening? It looks like I'm going down. Don't you care? This is a great little heart check that we can let, that helps to let us know, am I in that place where God wants me to know that he is there, that he does care. Here's the truth. The same Jesus that was in the boat with those disciples 2,000 years ago is in our boat today. And we have storms today. And a lot of times it's like, Lord, don't you care? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do? Don't you care? We're perishing. He rebuked the wind. Peace be still. In other words, the way, so what, when Jesus was responding to them, he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know, you wonder if they would have came to Jesus and said, uh, Lord, there's a storm. We need help. But they didn't say that to him. They said, don't you care? Don't you care? They were questioning his care. His, his care, they're, they're in a desperate situation. He rebuked the storm, he restored it, but he said, what was he really addressing? I do care. I do care. Have faith. Trust me. I do care. I'm there. I'm there in the middle of the storm. Know that I'm there in the middle of the storm. Paul put it this way when he's writing to the Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, these are, this is storm stuff. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, principalities, power, the things playing on your mind, things past, present, or things to come, stuff going on, issues, height, depth, no other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a storm going on. These are our storms. What are, we, what are we hearing? Jesus is there. He's in the boat. He's in the midst of our storms, and he cares. He wants us to know. He wants us to know that he cares. Um, so many times when it comes to these storms, and you think of that situation where they're in trouble, they're in a bad way, we need help. I need to go someplace. Um, I had a situation like this in real life where it happened. I'm driving in our, our van and I'm by myself and I'm in Rice Lake and all of a sudden you could see the weather was really bad, ugly. It was kind of eerie, spooky bad. And it was started to rain really hard and on the radio it said, there is a tornado spotted in blah, blah, blah area, which is exactly where I was said, if you're in your vehicle, don't stay in your vehicle. Find a shelter. Find something secure. And it was, it was a scary situation because it's, like I said, it's messy. 
Storms are messy. There's confusion. There's chaos. It's loud. It's uncomfortable. And um, I just remember thinking to myself, wow, I'm in this van, and what the guy on the radio is saying, you might think you're safe in your van, but you're not safe in your van. You know, it can feel nice and warm and safe in that van, but there's a place that you got to go to find a place of shelter. you got to find a place of something that you can hold on to, something that is secure. The van wasn't secure. The van could be moved. And um, I remember having, because I, I looked out the van, and sure enough, there was a, this really girded, cemented beam thing on the ground that was actually, you know, um, by, the, um, by, by a building on the side of a building that was really secure. And I just thought, uh, I thought I got to go out in this rain, but I could hold on to that thing. And I know if I could hold on to that thing, I would be strong. I'd be secure. I'm secure to the ground. This van isn't secure to the ground. I could be tossed in this thing. I remember having to get out in that van and just feeling the wet and the pelting rain and all that. And I remember just holding on to that bar. You know, and it, it's loud, and I'm hearing something banging against the building. I, I, I noticed later it was a metal sign that was kind of half torn off and was just clanging against the building. It was loud, it was wet, it was painful, and all I'm doing is one thing. I'm just holding on to something that is secure on the ground, that was more secure than my van, that was more secure than I was. It was more secure than anything. I, it was outside of me, and I had to go to it, and I had to hold on to it. You know, and I was just holding on and I was hearing things. I'm, you're imagining things. It's loud and you can kind of hear debris. You can hear stuff going. And as I'm holding and holding and holding, what was amazing was as I was just holding and knowing I'm just secure right here, in just a moment of time, it was like the sound, the temperature, the rain just switched on a dime. All of a sudden, it went from loud and cold and wet and rainy to no rain and warm and balmy. And it was just like in that moment, it was like, wow, it's still, it's safe. And I just, and I just looked down and you know how it, in, in those moments, you're just confessing every sin, you're doing everything. You, you feel like you're, you're at the end. I'm, I'm clear in my heart, like Jody was saying, I'm getting my heart ready, clear. Nothing, you know, between me and the Savior here. And, uh, but I'm holding on. All of a sudden, it's just like it is gone. And I look up, and I'm just like, wow. And I could see that sign dangling. Now I could hear. I understood what the banging was then after the fact. I didn't know in the storm what it was. And then I looked out, and I looked, and I could see down the road where my van was. There was debris all over the road there. And um, what had happened, I found out later that the tornado, it was a tornado, and it was, it was hovering, and it came down. It didn't physically touch the ground, but it was like hovering over like some trees, and it was just creating that debris, but then it went back up. Praise God. And that could have been really, really bad. But, it was, but I was secure, and I remember feeling that, you know, I didn't know what to do. All I knew is I had to grab onto something that was bigger than me, stronger than me, more secure than me. And and as I did, that storm subsided and there was that peace. A lot of times when we're going through that wind storm right there, what is the scripture? Jesus is the rock that is higher than I. And so many times when we're going through these storms, it's like, I just need to, I need to pull into you, Jesus. In other words, the center in my life, the center in my heart, my, wasn't the storm. It was that bar. That was my center. That was my security. It wasn't the loudness and all the stuff and going in peripherals, and it was that bar. And he says, I make you lie down. I lead you beside that still water, that secure place. There I'm going to restore your soul. I'm not trying to solve the storm. I'm pulling in to the Lord. He is stronger. He is the rock that is higher than He has that firm, that firm place. Don't you care? He's saying, I do care, and I am here. I love another way, you know, we know, be still and know Jesus is with you. There is no storm, but it can feel like, don't you care? He's saying, I do care. No matter what it is, no matter what that storm is, you can find your storm in there somewhere. No matter what that storm is, it can't separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Whatever that storm is, he's still in the boat. 
It can't separate you from him and Jesus. That's, that's the scripture that's basically saying, I'm in the boat with you. Whatever it is, I'm in there. There's nothing that can take me out of the boat. I am there. Not only that, but he's for you. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also, also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So not only is he in the boat, but he's also peace be stilling with you. That's a powerful thing. You know, we think of we're down here, Jesus is in heaven, he's at the right hand of the Father, and yeah, he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Can you imagine that? What that sounds like, what that looks like. He's a great high priest. He's the high priest of our confession. One of the things that a priest does make is make intercession. He's making intercession for us. I love to think of, I love to think of it when back when Peter, the great apostle Peter, that night when Jesus was betrayed, and, and Jesus told Peter, he said, he said, Peter, you know, I, first of all, he said, I, where I'm going, you can't come. And Peter said, I would lay down my life for you, Jesus. I would die for you. And Jesus said, would you die for me, Peter? He said, well, actually, today, you're going to die three times that you even know me. He said, but that's okay, Peter. I've prayed for you. And when you are uh, restored, strengthen your brethren. Could you imagine Peter? You know, we don't have that prayer documented in Scripture, but could you imagine Peter praying, or Jesus praying for Peter, making intercession for Peter before he ever failed? I mean, you can just see the Jesus saying, Father, you know Peter. You know the way he is. He's going to take this hard. But Father... Strengthen him, restore him, remind him that he hasn't, he isn't beyond our grace. He's still there. Jesus, before Peter ever failed, Jesus prayed for him. He interceded for him. And when Peter realized, remember the third time he denied Jesus, he denied him with cursing. And, at, and when, G, when he denied him the third time, it says Jesus looked straight at him. So it's not like Jesus was off in a building. So he was right there. And then the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered what Jesus said. And it says, he went out and wept bitterly. Ugh. There's some failures that'll just rock you to your core. I mean, this was him standing, you know, the guy who walked on the water, didn't even know who he was, yeah. But think about that. But he said, I prayed for you. And you notice that Jesus didn't pray for him to not fail. He prayed for him that after he failed, he would be restored, he'd be strengthened, and that he would strengthen his brethren. You know, there's a big, sometimes it's not just praying that, he wasn't praying that it wouldn't happen. He knew what Peter was going to do. He's the alpha and the omega. But he prayed out ahead of even his failure. He interceded for him. Sometimes we're going through storms. They can be storms of our own causing, and sometimes it could be storms of other people's causing, regardless of the origin of the storm. God is still for you. He is still making intercession for you. Whether it's a Peter thing or whether it's a Paul thing, you know, just helping, you know, somebody establish and spread the gospel. The storm, in that sense, is irrelevant if you'll go to him and make him your secret place. Go to him and realize your help is in him. He has help for you. He is for you. Be still and know be still and know he's with you. He's in the boat, regardless of the nature of the storm. Be still and know he is for you. There is a peace, be still, that's coming through those intercessions for you. Do you care, Lord? He's saying, yes, I care. And there's something about, 
Being still and knowing and remembering that he's in the boat, that he does care, that helps restore your soul. It helps settle you down. Regardless of what your storm is, we all fill that blank in in different ways, different situations. But regardless of the storm, he's there. He knows and he cares. The other thing that I just want to bring out too, and just in terms of that being still, is there's also not just a being still and knowing, but there's a standing still and seeing some things, okay? There's some things that he does. There are things we've been trying to do that he's been waiting for us to stand still so he can do. He can do some things on our behalf. Second Chronicles, this is a great story of Jehoshaphat. They're being outnumbered. They're being attacked. Jehoshaphat does a wonderful thing. He just commits, calls the fast, just commits to just focusing on the Lord, and he cries out to God. He says, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. That's really brilliant. That's grace. Something's bigger than me. Help me, God. That's humility. It's grace. Humility and grace go hand in hand. Humble, not me, not my strength, not my works of righteousness, not me, you, grace, help, God, help. And then God responds. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitation of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Praise God. So they're up against these impossible odds in the natural. Of course, as the story goes on, the Lord set the ambush, they defeated the enemies, they got the spoils, and they were blessed. But it started because they put their trust in the Lord. The Lord really fought that battle. And the Lord says, when, you're, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. There is something when I'm not trying to fight my enemies all the time, I'm just putting my heart, my trust, my focus on the Lord, I'm pulling into him. I'm, I'm positioning myself. He said, stand still and see the salvation of your God. This is a good fight of faith. We got real enemies. We're really having to engage, all right? We have a part to play in this. But, but, and here's the, the wonderful um, truth that over-encompasses our fight of faith, and that's this. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Passion says, we look away from the natural realm and fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. As we're fighting this good fight of faith, many times we can put a pressure on our faith that can almost seem to disqualify us from being able to get victory in this. Because my faith just isn't strong enough. I know me, I know, I know me, I know my faith, da-da-da-da-da-da. But did you know that you are not the finisher of your faith? He is the author and the finisher of your faith. That's good to know. My job is to cooperate with the finisher. That's all I'm doing. But I'm not the finisher. He's the finisher of my faith. I love what Jehoshaphat did. He was in this hopeless situation. He said, I don't know what to do. I'm just looking to you. And God says, great. I want you to stand still and see something. That's the same admonition that we have here. I'm going through stuff. I'm just looking unto Jesus. I got a fight of faith. It just seems too big for me, but I'm looking unto Jesus. He's the finisher of my faith. There's going to be a standstilling and seeing how he's going to finish my faith. That takes a lot of pressure off me and my faith to have to try to have enough faith. There's a finishing work that he does. How does he finish our faith like that? This is how he does it. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we're being tested. Um, I love how the scripture reads because I think it is, it's very telling in terms of how Jesus actually finishes our faith in this process. In the same way that, again, Jehoshaphat was kind of overwhelmed, he said, man, I can't do this. Help, help, God, help. He said, stand still and see. Some, I'm going to do something. We come to these inflection points in our fight of faith that we have to say, I'm just looking unto you, Jesus. Help, help, help. I'm in a fight of faith, and I don't seem to be winning. There seems to be a, a, a deficiency here. I need to stand strong. I need you. I need you. This is how, well, this is what Jehoshaphat said, um, or what the Lord said, position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of your God. This is how we position ourselves. We don't have a high priest who's unable to understand, but we come boldly to the throne of grace. Now look what he gives us. We come boldly to the throne of grace. It's not the throne of faith. It's the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He doesn't give us faith to help in time of need. He gives us grace to help in time of need. Faith is your response to his grace. It's how you got saved. Grace is God's benevolent hand that extends mercy, forgiveness, exceedingly great and precious promises, everything we need. But faith is our hand that receives the blessings that his grace provides. I'm not just saved by grace, period. I'm saved by grace through faith. Jesus said, preach this message. He who believes will be saved. He who believes not will be condemned. There's a believing. There's a faith. It's not to be conflated with works of righteousness. It's not a work of righteousness. It's a response that he authors in us. He gives us that provision to respond. Our faith responds to grace. We got saved that way. Again, we came to the conclusion, I can't save myself. Praise God. Our faith, saved by grace through faith, I called upon the name of the Lord. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believed, I confessed. That was my act of faith. I received forgiveness, cleansing, born again, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's an exercise of faith responding to grace. But it doesn't stop there. We are responding to grace this whole walk. In other words, the same way we had to say, uncle, help, I need God, we come to that same inflection point. When it comes to those financial, health, relational, storms of life, issues, whatever it is, I need something bigger than me. I need help. Help, God, help. There's a, there's a calling out to God for help. And what does he provide? At the, he says to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm going to come boldly to that throne of grace and I'm going to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now here is where I like to say it this way. When you're going through a storm or you're going through stuff, a lot of times, you know, you're not feeling spiritual doesn't feel spiritual a lot of times. It's yucky, it's, it's war, it's messy, it's fighting. It's, and the Lord just encouraged me so many times along this line. He said, Ed, don't try to be spiritual. Just go where spiritual is. Go to that throne of grace. Go to the word of God. You know, this doesn't have to be a complicated thing. Do you know you could, and we've probably all done this at different times, where you'll, you'll just... Um, Say, okay, Lord, let's take it out of the realm of being intentional and just bring it into the realm of accidents. Have you ever went into your car? And I don't care what mood or frame of mind you're on, you just turned on your car, you had a Christian station going, and a song comes on. 
And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that's a great song. Oh, wow, read my mail, that's it. And pretty soon, there is just like faith, there's strength, there's restoration. What happens there? You accidentally set your mind on things above. You accidentally came into the presence of the, the Spirit of God, of the Word of God. And it did a transforming effect in your attitude. Your soul can be restored in a moment of time. It doesn't have to be even an eight-week process. It can happen powerfully, quickly. As you hear the Word, as you hear music, worship, that's what Scripture says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. There's, an, there's a filling and a strengthening that happens by the Spirit of God that will strengthen your heart in a powerful way. And I'm just saying, again, this kind of goes back to the halftime, timeouts, different things like that. What are we doing here? We're coming off and we're taking that timeout. We're coming boldly to the throne of grace. Father God, help me. I need a game plan here. I need help. I need your grace. I need something from you. I just, I, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm looking toward you. And when God will, a lot of times you'll get to that, he'll just give you a word. He'll just give you a next step. He'll just show you something to do. But that's where there's mercy and grace to help. But this is where, how do we do that? We're just going to where he is. We're going to that rock that is higher than I. I'm setting my mind on things above. I can tell you this. If you, like what we do this morning, we just come intentionally. We begin to worship the Lord. We experience the presence of God. And it's powerful. We can intentionally come before that throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I have come before that throne of grace even like we did this morning. And there's a strengthening with might by his spirit in the inner man. And all I know is that he is there. All I know that he is for me and he is with me. And I don't even have the answers to everything that I'm going through. But let me tell you this. Look at this here. He is able to sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses. There are some storms you go through that are very lonely because nobody gets you. Maybe even some of the people that love you the most, you can see they want to get you, but there's a certain part of your heart that only he can fully know and he can fully get. You can come before these still waters and as you're just praying out the situation, the stuff in your heart, you can get a revelation of divine empathy where it's not just, okay, theologically he understands he has a shared feeling. You can see and know the Spirit of God can come alongside of you in a way that you know he gets you. You feel the companionship of his getting you. You can feel the companionship of his Spirit saying, I get that. I see that, yes, that is very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, Jesus had a band of people that would follow him around just to try to trap him in his words. That's their job. And if they couldn't, they'd just twist his words. I mean, Jesus gets it. He gets all these different levels of weirdness and things, physical, emotional, financial, different things like that. He experienced that so he could sympathize and have a shared feeling. There's a companionship that he knows and he gets you and he still says, trust. He still says faith. This isn't like a little religious person. Now you need to trust, trust the Lord. You know, it's not like a weird thing. It's his spirit saying, yes, that is true. I get it. I understand. And you still need to forgive. But it's coming from a place of empathy. It's coming a place from sympathetic compassion. I mean, he's on that cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them. I mean, a lot of junk went down that Passion Week. They don't know what they're doing. They don't get it. They're under an influence that they don't even know they're under. You know, the world doesn't even know they're the world. And a lot of times when people get in the flesh, they don't realize they're in the flesh. But there's an empathy. There's a sympathy that he'll give you by his spirit that'll help bring peaceful waters. I don't need, he will give you an empathy that you don't need anybody else to get you. Because you know he's got you in a way that restores your soul. What am I doing? That's grace. What's my faith doing? I need your grace to help in this time of need. I need you to get me in this way. What's happening as you're responding to his grace? Your faith is getting finished. Your trust is getting stronger in him. You're leaning on his grace more and more and more. He doesn't zap your faith. He just gives you grace to respond to. And in that responding to his love, to his benevolence. Do you get that? Yes, I even get that. 
There's the finishing of your faith. Okay, Lord, help me. Could be my weakness. Help me, God. Do you understand that temptation? Yeah, I, I get the whole temptation thing too. I was in a body just like yours. I get that. I get that pull. I understand that. But I'm with you. I can help. I can settle that. I can resolve that. The whole human existence, he is there. He's a merciful high priest who gets us in every way. And the other thing that I just want to touch on, not only does he, the finisher of our faith, that I can stand still and see I'm responding to his grace. My faith is getting strong as I'm responding to his grace. But there's also a standing still and seeing something else. Moses said to the people, and this is where you know, Moses is getting ready to, he's leaving Egypt and he's going to go to the promised land, but they're at that, the water bank and they've got Pharaoh and the Egyptians bearing down on him. This is kind of another one of those, help me God. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Oh, I love this picture. You got all the promises going back to Abraham that they're going to have this precious promised land. Moses, let, you know, to Pharaoh, let my people go. He finally lets them go. They're getting ready. They got the sea and got Pharaoh bearing down on him. And he has the word, stand still and see the salvation of God. Of course, this is when the sea parts and they walk through on dry ground. That's the story. But before they ever, before the sea ever parted and before they ever walked through, there was a word, stand still and see the salvation of your God. Again, they're in problem-solving mode. How do we fix this? There's a promised land out there for me. There is something God has called us to do, to go and to partake. We've got to stand still and see promise too as believers. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The passion, I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and put his finishing touches on you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Not only, is he, not only is he the finisher of our faith as we work with and respond to his grace and trust him, but he's also the completer of the good work he began in us. He is going to finish this good work he's begun in us. This is, this, we're talking about still. Stand still and see. Think about this promise they've had in their hearts since Abraham, this promised land. And we can get at these same inflection points. God's put something in my heart to do. God's called me to do this. He's called me to go there. There's this dream. I know. And what are these dreams? What are these? That's our promised land. We're going to our promised land. And there can be things in the way of our promised land. And there are times that we got to also, as we're trying to make things come to pass, we're trying to make things happen. God told me to do this. God said this. And we can be against these inflection points like, ah, I don't know how to get around this. And this is where we have to remember, not only, again, are we not the finisher of our faith, we're not the completer of the good work he began in us. He, is the, he will complete the good work he began in us. Again, we have a part to play. We're co-laborers together with God, which means we labor and he labors. We don't do it all. There's a working together. That's 1 Corinthians 3.9. If you want to look it up and, and see it. We are co-laborers together with God. There is a, a working together between God and man as his will is accomplished in this earth. And this is something that's just important. Again, this is just a place of still waters that I've had to go back to where you're trying to, I know God said to do this. Yeah, he did say to do that. Sometimes it's going to get messy. I'm going to go before that throne of grace. I'm going to do what he shows me to do next. That's my part. I'm not going to try to bring anything to pass. You know, they tell us that at Bible school too. You know, somebody prophesies some big thing over you, don't try to go out and make it happen. You just listen, quiet, and you're as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. So you, you're not led by personal prophecy. You're led by the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. The anointing that abides within will show you step by step what you need to do 
to make anything happen. But there's no me trying to make it happen. There's a trusting in God. He's going to work. Lord, what do you want me to do next? I don't have to try to figure out how to get to the promised land. I'm going to just be led by the Spirit. He'll get me to the promised land. That's peace. That takes the pressure off. The Apostle Paul, he had all kind of trouble. He's, he's um, you know, evangelizing the gospel in the known world at the time, and he is, you know, shipwrecked, left for dead. He's got people coming in to stone him, and whipped and beaten. So he'd get into an area and all of a sudden he's run off. The enemy would just attack. He'd, he'd stir people up against Paul and he's just, he's like running from town to town, escaping with his life. You know, and that's what, you know, the scripture says, lest I be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. You know, and this is all, these are great theological um, passage of scripture, people take it a lot of different ways. But one of that word, buffet, means to strike with repeated blows. In other words, there is a demonic attack. It's not a messenger of God, it's a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And he's experiencing that over and over and over. You know, I'm sure he would just love to say, Lord, could I just go in Ephesus, you know, for three years and then go into Corinth for three years and do that? But no, he kind of goes into these as he's led. I mean, he was led by the Spirit in a dream to go to Macedonia, and he ends up getting whipped and beaten, you know, and then run out of town, you know, to get out of here. But he, he followed the Lord. But you can see there's a lot of junk going on. And he, he was like, okay, Lord, three times, he, he pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from him. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Ah, I love this. So he comes to a conclusion. He says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. He takes pleasure in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, when the Lord gave him that word, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. There's inflection points that the apostle Paul said, God, help me, help me. And the Lord said, in these distresses, your, my strength is being made perfect in you. There is a working that I am doing in you. Paul saw that. He realized it. And you notice how he concludes? He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. We know he's strong. But he says, for when I am weak, I am strong. Why? Because my strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul has a destiny. He's been called to preach the gospel. And that's his promised land. And there are things getting in the way in his promised land. There's stuff going on. And he's like, Lord, I'd just like to be done with this stuff. And the Lord just says, look, when you're going through stuff, I am right there. And your trust is going to come back to me. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You can see the peace. You can see the resolution. You can see the still waters in that conclusion. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. I'm not trying to run away from, I'm not trying to live a life that's going to perfectly avoid all conflict and nobody's going to ever be mad at me and I'm going to do everything just right. And you know, that's just not going to happen. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If Jesus couldn't say and do everything just right so that nobody was ever offended at him, you're not going to be able to either. Things are going to happen. Things are going to get stirred up. And instead of saying, oh, if I would have just, no, my strength is, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to boast in those things. Boy, talk about a heart attitude. He wasn't like trying to never do everything just right so that it never happened. Why? He boasted him because he knew that he was drawing on the strength of God. He knew that he was dependent upon God. He never became self-dependent in his faith and his walk to where he didn't need to rely on God anymore. There was a continual relying on him. You think of the Apostle Paul and just the things that he did for the Lord. It's amazing. And yet he was at that place of continual reliance and trust in him. My goal is to not avoid conflict. My goal is to stay in that place with him where he can strengthen me no matter what it is that I'm going through. My peace is in him. Be still and know that Jesus is with you. He's for you. He's in that boat with you. He is saying, peace, be still. He does care. He is there no matter what it is. Can't separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. Praise God, and there is mercy and grace to help. Stand still and see what? See him finishing 
your faith. He is doing that work that, you know, he began in your faith, and then he's also completing the good work that he began in you. There's no pressure on you to have to do everything. I'm just pulling into him. I'm being led by his spirit, and he's going to get me to the promised land as he leads me by his spirit. I don't have to take that, take that upon myself. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for just the, the precious still waters that you lead us to, to these conclusions, Lord, that you really are with us. You really are for us. You're going to do the finishing work of our faith. You're going to get us to where we need to go, Father. We can just pull into you. We can be strengthened. We can find mercy and grace, Father God. We can find strength in our weakness. Oh, Father, I just pray that the revelation of this, Father, would just go off in our hearts this morning. That takes the pressure off our mind in a powerful way, that spiritual pressure to have to figure everything out and to be able to pull into you. You're the one who makes us to lie down in green pastures. You're the one who leads us beside those still waters. Go ahead and make this a declaration of faith if your heart can agree. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, you are a good shepherd. I desire those green pastures. I desire the still waters. The still waters represent something. They represent your way of doing things. You call us to trust you. I declare you are in my boat. And I declare that you care. You intercede for me. You see out ahead. There's nothing I'm going through that you didn't already know. I rest in that, Lord. I rest in knowing that you're with me and that you're for me. And Heavenly Father, I stand still and I see you doing a work, finishing my faith as I respond to your grace that my faith is strengthened. I look to you, Lord. You're the completer of this good work you've called me to do. I look to you. I listen to your spirit. And I take that next step knowing that you are the one who gets me and gets me to the promised land. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your still waters. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll receive that this morning. There's a stillness that he leads us to. And really the essence of that stillness, it just it's a stillness that puts him back in the center that lets us go, ah, you really are here. You are in the boat. And you really care. And you're the one who's going to finish my faith. You're going to give me the grace to respond to. Lord, what do you want me to respond to next? What's your provision that you want me to believe in? Is it wisdom that, man, if you ask, just ask for wisdom if you lack it. There's grace for that wisdom. Okay, Lord, I'm trusting you for wisdom, trusting you for those next steps, whatever it is. And I know that you're going to get me to where you've ordained me to be. Praise God. That's what makes you the Lord of my life. You're going to guide me and direct me into those good places. Praise God.